Welcome to FileMaker Off the Record. You're listening to Thomas and Teresa of Profile Developers, discussing all things FileMaker for developers and power users. Hello, Thomas. Hello, Teresa. How have you been? Oh my gosh, so busy. Yes, I hear ya. <laughs> it's been a little while. Yes, a lot of stuff has happened. It has, mm -hmm. and that's why there's been a delay. Yes, <laughs> but now we're back, and it's episode 18. 18. Right. Woohoo! And there's been such an outcry from our listening audience. Oh, you mean Steve? Yeah, Steve yeah. wrote. <laughs> <laughs> so, got to get another episode out there. Yep, this is this one's for you, Steve. And we'll see you in a in a few weeks. Mhm. Mm yep, DevCon is coming up. It is. I'm looking forward to it this year very much so. Yeah, me too. You didn't get to go last year. Nope, I was I had to stay home. Yeah. And sit in my box <laughs> and stare out the window. But this year I get to go with with all the big kids. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> yes, very much looking forward to it. Good. Tonight, we're going to talk about FileMaker development. Excellent idea. Because, you know. That's kind of what we do. Kind of what we do. Yeah. The topic, mm -hmm. per se, is issues that we've had in dealing with clients. Okay. And how we deal with clients. Yes. Before we jump in, mm -hmm. we went over a bunch of tips on our previous episode, whenever that was, and... There's just a couple more that I don't believe we mentioned. One, if you control, double-click on a field, that'll bring up the script triggers rather than doing the right-click and selecting script triggers from the drop-down menu. Okay. In Windows, you can't move a parent window if it has a card window attached to it. Right, it gets stuck. It does, and to me that... Feels like a bug. It does. On Macs, when you have a card window, you can still move the parent window, and the card window just moves with it. Mm -hmm. Windows, card window. And I know that was happening in 17. I believe it's still happening in 18. And let's just ask that maybe that be changed. Right. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. And uh, another thing that one of our clients pointed out to us, we usually use Macs. So sometimes on the Windows machines, things pop up that we hadn't heard about unless a, a client points it out to us and uh, we had uh, web viewers on the screen that showed a, a client ID and they use that client ID to copy and paste for searches and for other things uh, and what they said to us was they said yeah we copied and cut uh, someone had accidentally highlighted the contents of the web viewer and they hit command x instead of command c and it, uh, the contents of the web viewer went away. And they said, oh, no, the client ID is, is being wiped out. And we said, oh, you know, we'll just go to the next record and come back so that the page can refresh and it should show up. And they said, oh, yeah, you're right. But uh, we thought it was a strange, a strange result for um, doing a command X in a web viewer and having it wipe out the contents of the web viewer. One of the reasons we use web viewers is so that you can copy and paste right. data that you can't have access to mm -hmm. modify, which would be nice if fields could do that. If you could give access to a field so that the user can go in and scroll up and down mm -hmm. and not be able to change anything. And it right. would be nice to work the same way a web viewer does. 
So that's another little thing that came to our attention. The last one was you were having an issue with your machine. It was disconnecting from our client's server. Right. Yeah. So I have a laptop and when it would sleep, it would disconnect from VPN and disconnect from the databases. That's, I think, a typical behavior for a laptop mm -hmm. because when it's not plugged in, it's in survival mode <laughs> and it's going to sleep anyway. Now, I had turned the energy saver you know, in the energy saver settings. I had told it to not sleep, but, uh, you know, it was sleeping anyway, right, because it wasn't plugged in. So we found that there is a command line. There's a terminal command. Yeah, terminal command called caffeinate that you can invoke, which will have your Mac not sleep for a defined set of time. You can tell it how long. Um, there's also an app that we found called Caffeine, uh, and that's made by Intelliscape Solutions that has a, you know, very, very simple interface. A little coffee cup shows up in your menu bar, and you can click that to enable or disable this functionality where it will not let your computer sleep for that period of time. And so that helped uh, so that I could let my laptop sit in the corner, not plugged in, doing whatever it needed to do if it was looping through something, and get its work done without being disconnected from the network and disconnected from the VPN because the computer wanted to sleep. So that was we found that to be a very helpful app to put on our machines. Yeah, saves the trouble of going to the terminal and for, for those of us who are not living in the terminal. Right, if it's not up all the time. So I've been doing FileMaker development for 25 plus years. Mm -hmm. And so I thought we'd talk about a couple things that have come up recently and how we dealt with them. Sure. So we have a client who bills insurance companies for a specific set of procedure codes. And so we generate, uh, the system generates EDI files with the, with the claim information. And that gets sent to a clearinghouse, which then gets forwarded on to the individual payers. And then the payers send their response files to the clearinghouse servers. Then our system picks up those files and then parses out uh, the claim responses. So those that are approved or denied, you know, the codes, that all gets brought in to the system and then linked to the appropriate claim. And so the issue we had uh, was that the, the information needs on the claims changed for a particular payer. One of the payers, the insurance company, had made changes to their system where companies such as our client had to change the way that they submitted claims. We were sending the claims all the same uh, or with the same formatting, but we were getting different results. So some claims would come back as approved and other claims would come back as denied. And we couldn't figure out what the rhyme or reason was for these, because it, it wasn't just people who normally would have been denied. It was, oh, half of them came back denied and half of them came back approved. It didn't it, make much sense. We had talked to the client to see if they knew anything about the clients that we don't that would be different that would cause this. Mm -hmm. And they, they had nothing. The data that we were sending, we went in and verified that the records were 
formatted exactly the same. Right. The ones that were approved and the ones that were denied right. were formatted exactly the same. But so. when they when the responses came back, they came back with completely different information on them. And the problem was that we did not know where the information came from. It ended up after talking to both the clearinghouse for the claims and the payer for the claims, the contact over there said, well, it turns out that somebody here was manually fixing your claims. We still hadn't gotten the formatting correct to send the payer ID information in the right place. So she came back to all the claims we're going through and somebody there was fixing them for us. And so that was the issue. The lesson there is the client assumed that we were doing something, you know, that was, that was affecting the process and affecting the responses. We thought that it was the payer's system that might have had a bug in it and was looking at some claims in one way and other claims. But here the issue was a person, yeah. <laughs> a human being somewhere in the process that was manipulating something manually and didn't bother to tell anybody. And so the bug in the process was a user somewhere. But it wasn't, it wasn't our side. Sometimes you have to do a bit of detective work and get the team involved in chasing down a bug. It might not be in your system, but sometimes you have to think outside the box of your system to, to find a problem. So yeah, you run into these situations where somebody's trying to help. Somebody's trying to help and they're not helping when they're not telling us, you know, that the formatting needs, still needs an adjustment. Mm -hmm. Anyone who has to deal with users in an environment, you always run into that where somebody has been working around a problem. There's something that should be fixed in the solution, but they either don't know how to describe it or they think, oh, well, this is just how it's supposed to work. So they work around it. Oh, that happens. It happens all the time. Right. Because and they, they don't know to tell you that it's a problem because it's something that we can fix. They so often keep their mouths shut and they just work around it. And they're mm -hmm. like, well, I didn't want to create a problem. I didn't want to make waves. I didn't want to bother my boss. Right. But we could save time. And you've done that before, too, where you, uh, you know, you're converting a system. You're going from paper to FileMaker. And... They give you all of the forms that they fill out. What was it? You said uh, somebody, they said, oh, we just throw that away. We just throw that away. We that don't was, even use that one. Yeah. <laughs> it gets sent up here and we don't need it, so we just throw it away. Right. Asking questions <laughs> can be uh, a time saver. <laughs> yeah. One issue like that that seems to come up often when we're doing a CRM system is adding individuals to the contacts and accidentally re-adding people that are already in there. So you run into issues also, like someone will, someone will have another John Smith to add. Mm -hmm. They'll search and they'll see either, it depends on the design of the database. If they search and come up with five records, but it's showing you the detail view and you only see one and you actually have to look in a different area to know that there's multiple records found. They look at the one and they're like, oh, this is a completely different John Smith. This is a different address, different phone, different email, everything's different. So I'll just add a new one. Whenever, if you would have stepped through the found set. Even if it is a list view, you simply make a mistake. There's only so much you can do to help people. One of the things that, that we do regularly is whenever you're going to create a new contact, there's a you know, little button for new contact. Mm -hmm. And it forces the upon, user through a search. 
Right. It initially opens up either a popover or a card um, window. Or a card window. And gives you a place to type in the name, first name, last name. We don't give a whole lot of choices on the initial creation. So just type in the name and then click continue. Then what the system does is it goes and searches for what you've just entered. Right. And if it finds a match or multiple matches, in the case of a common name, it shows those in a little portal with whatever information. It, so it depends on the, the company. They Often the, a... the users are very familiar with street addresses. Right. So they see John Smith on um, Sabbath Drive. They know who that is and like, oh, it's the Sabbath Drive one. So that gives them an opportunity to select one of those options. Mm -hmm. And at the bottom of that, it's not a huge window. Uh, there's also an option for, it's not any of these people, mm -hmm. continue creating a new record. And when they hit continue again, so it is a couple of clicks. Right. But it's a couple of clicks that save potential duplicate records right. many times over. It then takes what they typed and drops it into the first name and last name of the new contact creation process, you know, whatever whatever form we have set up for doing that. One of the things that I think the users like about that is it's a little bit nicer than just searching for the person before you create a new record. Oh, yeah. Because then you're retyping stuff. And this way, you don't have to retype anything. You've typed in the first and last name. Either you're selecting them from a list and moving on that way, or you're creating a new record, and you don't have to retype the first name and last name again mm -hmm. and again and again. And the search also uses a little bit of a fuzzy search. Whenever you well, have, well, have a name that has maybe several consonants in a row, or mm -hmm. but more likely it's, it's whenever there's an EI in a name or an IE, mm -hmm. that's very easy to mistype. Mm -hmm. Or using an E instead of an I, you know, you, you, get the, you get the vowels wrong. Right. If you sound out a name, it's usually pretty easy to figure out all the consonants. But as you're typing, you get the vowels wrong. Mm -hmm. So I do fuzzy searches where I just rip out all the vowels that they've typed. Had you replace them with ats? Basically. Okay. That often will bring up something. If it's one out of 50 times that it brings up an accurate match, that's one out of 50 times. You know, if they're adding a couple thousand people every year, mm -hmm. you know, you're potentially eliminating a bunch of duplicates. Dealing with duplicates is just a big pain in the butt oh yeah yeah you have to create an entire almost an entire module of a system to work on deduping well it depends on how they're doing their record keeping in the first place because we've also had clients who like to manage their data in spreadsheets and then import those you know yeah. so they're so they're doing a lot of management they may even be trying to use a unique id uh, you know per line there's a column for a unique id in their system but they can still have duplicates but it because it, it depends on how they're tracking their data because it's not a database so it's not going to line up properly no matter how hard you try you have to do some fancy finessing when you try to get the data into filemaker and then line it up again yeah so yeah one system that we've worked on they were using filemaker and then they were updating the system. So that's what we were working on was, you know, kind of doing a new rebuild based on their original system. And one of their main practices was to duplicate a record. That was part of their process. But they weren't using uh, unique IDs in their record. So when we got our hands on it and added unique IDs, we had to, well, number one, disable duplication. <laughs> But, you know, we restructured things so that they didn't need to do that anymore. 
to get the same result. So you have to keep those things in mind when dealing with clients that they have a process that they work through and a workflow that they like and are used to. You have to work around that. Like we have to do some working around <laughs> of things. Yeah, the users get so used to stuff. We have, a, we have one that they were, they under payments. Payments come in for a whole bunch of invoices. So they find the invoices for the month and they go to the payments and they put in a dollar amount. And the, the way these work is that the same dollar amount is applied to all of those invoices and the way their business works. Mm -hmm. So they would just do a replace and fill in all the, all the invoices. We changed the process a little bit for them to, in attempting to make it easier. Mm -hmm. And what they did in our system was enter the payment amount. And then the system would go and apply that evenly to everyone and show you, you know, if there were any leftovers, if there was any leftover money, it would do something with that. If there was a shortage, it would show that and let you decide how to deal with the problem. When the user typed in the payment amount and hit distribute, his question to us was, oh, I need to do a replace. And we said, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you really don't. And right. they're like, no, I need the replace. Because as, as you developers know, replace is a little bit of a scary, uh, scary command, especially since there's no undo if your users accidentally uh, have, so they have 10,000 records in their found set and they do a replace and they aren't paying attention and they potentially <laughs> have wiped out 10,000 values from a particular field uh, and filled it with the number 10 that can be a huge problem. So yeah, in this system where we took what they were doing conceptually with the replace command and scripted it so that it was doing things in a more a, a cleaner manner using global fields and you know temporary values and then setting them appropriately and creating new records. It was a different step for them, but it was a, a better system. It took a little bit of explaining, which we had talked to them beforehand, and we, we did go over what we were doing, and we do mock-ups and stuff and kind of watch them, walk them through the process. Even though we did that, even when it came, you know, once it came to real use, I think he just had trouble with it. I didn't do this step. Mm -hmm. This can't be done yet. He got it after oh, yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah, but when a user comes to you and says, so what I would normally do here is, you know, we nod our head and say, yep, we know. We know what you used to do, <laughs> and that is no longer how you need to do it. Give people a solution to do what they need to do, not what they ask for. Right. Yeah, it's very important to really listen to where the client wants to get to with a solution. And so a lot of times we ask why. Why are you doing that? What are you doing here? They say, well, I need to do my billing. Okay, well, what is the billing? As I need to generate invoices. Okay, you need to generate uh, invoices for who, um, when, and, and get down into the nitty gritty so that the interfaces that they use are the best uh, for their particular, you know, for the solution. So another development issue that uh, with clients that we are dealing with is our client has a little bit of FileMaker knowledge and is very interested 
in learning more about reporting and creating his own reports. We don't tend to give anybody full access privileges into uh, the files. We very often create files using the separation model. So we'll have an interface file and a data file. Like I said, we don't, we, we give our clients a full access account for the files in case they ever, you know, just kind of as an emergency um, if they need to do something. And usually those come with instructions. But this particular client is just very interested in creating his own reports. So uh, one thing we are going to do shortly is create a separate file that has the data file as an external reference and we'll create relationships in there that are very English and well-defined and have lots of notes. And then he can create as many layouts as he wants, uh, as many scripts as he wants and just kind of do whatever and play around and he can't mess anything up. He won't be cluttering the existing system. Mm-hmm. He won't be adding scripts. More importantly, he won't be modifying existing scripts because right. that's, it's, you know, you get in and... Well, that's the first thing I think people do yeah. when they want to learn. You go in and you say, uh, okay, well, I'm going to look at this script that's attached to this button because I want to do something very, very similar, but a little bit different. And so uh, you'll look at the script, maybe duplicate it, change the name of it, make some changes to the to the script itself, make a new button, attach your new script to it, run it and see what happens. And if you have a an eager wannabe developer and they get in there and they accidentally open up your script. And I've I've gotten calls from clients who call me up and they say, Oh, I jacked something up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I did. I was uh, looking at this layout and all I wanted to do was move some fields around and I don't know what happened. When I went back into browse mode, nothing is there. And it's something along the lines of, oh, maybe there's a, they moved something out of a subsummary. Now the sort's off or, you know, they just make some kind of little mistake. And if they don't have enough knowledge about the solution, where they are, the context, just a little, little thing like that can cause a problem. So then he had to pay me to fix it because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't sure what he was doing. Uh, We we think that this way of dealing with it will help this client to, you know, have his own little playground. He can still start a script and then ask for help, but he has a safe place (laughs) to go to, to play around. He can create the reports that he wants and you know, take them as far as he can, and then we can help him go over any kind of hurdles that he runs into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'll be a, a good solution to this issue. I certainly hope so. So, well, we're going to keep the episode short tonight. Alrighty. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We very much do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry we took so long. We're going to try to get back on schedule. So you can email us at offtherecord at profiledevelopers.com. And those of you who are going to DevCon in August, if you see us there, come over and say hi. Absolutely. All right. Good night. Thanks. Good night. Good night.